Welcome to Navigate, the podcast that helps you safely and securely traverse the globe. Alongside travel industry experts and global travelers, we'll gather insights and advice that help you manage any pitfalls or problems that may occur while you're away from home. Our voyage of discovery starts now. Hello, and welcome to Navigate. I'm your host, Alex Twiggs. I'm joined today by Frank Harrison, World Travel Protection's North American Regional Security Director. Frank has had a varied career ranging from the Canadian military through to mining operations and the not-for-profit sector. His work has taken him around the world and he now finds himself back in Canada where he's been with WTP since February this year. Welcome, Frank. Thank you, Alex, and for the kind kind greetings. Uh, Good morning from Canada, good afternoon in Europe, and good evening to everybody else. The World Health Organization declared the outbreak of COVID-19 and pandemic in March 2020, so we thought this would be a good opportunity to reflect on COVID one year on. As companies and employees rapidly adjusted to the new operating environment, we saw massive changes in how people worked and travelled. Those changes impacted people in different ways, and we wanted to explore some of the implications of these changes and consider what comes next. Frank, could you start by telling us a bit about your own experience over the past year? So my COVID experience, uh, I was working and living in southern Portugal. So when the pandemic happened, my last day in the office was 18 March last year. Immediately went to a working from home environment. And, you know, as the world began locking down, I was sitting in a rural area in what's called Bejo Alentejo. And just the impact of the diminished flights going into Faro from Europe and just watching as businesses slowed down and went to minimum operations, it, it was significant. And then just staying in communication with my family and friends back here in Canada and seeing how they were being impacted. And then as the pandemic spread and watching the disparities and how the lockdowns were applied. So from my perspective, I was fortunate. I was on a rural property and was able to you know, have a quality of life that I understand a lot of people haven't had. And you know, we can carry on with some of that impact as we go through this conversation. And do you think companies have given enough thought to the longer term implications they made to practice and, and policy in early 2020? Some of the biggest dividing lines, uh, to use the Portuguese uh, example, the Portuguese government did a very quick pivot in April last year when the lockdowns were being uh, recommended by the WHO. And they created a program called COVID Safe. And COVID Safe was focused on keeping tourism and small businesses open or alive during very restrictive lockdown periods. And from my experience living in that environment, it was very successful and it allowed local communities to be able to go to those small shops and shop safely and to keep the economy going. The Portuguese government has the mindset that the small businesses are the powerhouse that will restart the economy. Returning to Canada in January and just to see the impact on small businesses in just in the greater Toronto area, I find it almost disheartening to see how We've had lockdowns that were ordered, and I, I'm i looking at them, and just from my experience, having worked with a uh, Canadian entity in Portugal, it's how many businesses have actually gone back and looked at the original lockdown orders that they imposed, reviewed them against their business, and made changes. And I'm getting the sense that a lot of entities are just simply in lockdown 
waiting for the, you know, the magic return to office one September, and then they're going to reevaluate their business continuity plans. But there's an opportunity to see what that impact has been to the business. And if there's opportunities to change your business, some have been flexible and have done it, but I get the sense the vast majority are just going from lockdown to lockdown to lockdown and just pivoting within that space. And those longer term implications and unintended consequences, how do you think that will play out in the travel space as well? The the problem I'm seeing or the issue is there's a lot of expectation for guidance from political leaders and a lot of expectation of guidance from different uh, governing bodies. And in the absence of that, businesses and, and individuals aren't necessarily being proactive themselves. They're waiting to be told what it's going to look like on the other side of the pandemic. And, you know, if we look at some of the forecasting that's been put forward, you know, 2024, 2025 for, you know, recovery. And I I think that guidance is a little flawed because we can carry on with that in the statement further, but in the absence of guidance, there's been very little um, effort to actually explore beyond lockdowns. That's just what I'm seeing here in Canada. Looking forward, thinking about the travel aspects, do you think companies will improve how they operate with regards to business travel and expat assignments? Well, it's it's interesting. And I'm hoping now as we're getting into the spring and into summer, I'm, I'm optimistic that businesses are actually going to look at what the impact has been from this past year and start developing some lessons learned and just look at, okay, this is what we've done for the past year. And here are the opportunities where we can actually get some growth or better impact our workforces, better impact our customer service delivery. And for those industries that are in supply chain, whether it's mining, manufacturing, extractive resources, looking for those opportunities where in the scaled back environment, they can move forward and be more streamlined, more agile. And do you think we'll see a different type of trip when we do see a full return, full scale return to travel with the C-suite trying to pack more in, for example? Then are there any increased risks associated with that? Travel is going to be, to me, we're looking at, we're stopped, we're dead in our tracks. There's very little action right now. The Canadian government has locked down the borders and have made it very restrictive for Canadians to travel. They've put a no travel order in place. And let's be realistic. Canadians are an interesting um, culture. So we've got this no travel ban, but if you look at, January of this past year of 2021, there were approximately 86,500 trips to Canada from U.S. residents, which is down 92% from last year. But you think we've got a closed border, but we've had 86,500 trips into Canada. And then we look at Canadians who've actually crossed the border, and we're looking at approximately 265,000 Canadians who entered the States in 2020. And in January alone, it was about 70, there's a number 70,000. So I know that that includes drivers of long haul trucking and different things, but the Canadian government's efforts to stop Canadians from traveling can't succeed with that border because people are crossing the border, going to major uh, airport hubs and they're going to southern destinations and having vacations 
and then they don't have the same requirements to quarantine as an air traveler does. So they cross the border and they go into self-quarantine for 14 days versus if you're an air traveler, you're doing your three-day mandatory stay in a government uh, facility. And if you get a negative test, then quarantining at home. And when mass travel restarts again in earnest, can you share some thoughts on how you think that will be different? So as organizations and individuals, it goes back to Canadians. We, we have this growing surge capacity and that when the restrictions are lifted, whether it's leisure or business, people are going to travel and the industry is going to have to respond to that. Now, for organizations that have business travelers, it's preparing them to the reality that when they go back out to their project sites or their facilities around the world, you're facing a new reality. There's a lot of the, with the shutdowns, a lot of businesses are going out of, uh, they're out. People are unemployed. People are traveling into regions that they may have been familiar with before that will now potentially have criminal aspects to it. There's going to be socioeconomic impacts to it. And if you're a major resource extractor and you're the only business that's operating, you're going to become the target for any multitude of uh, social license unrest or socioeconomic unrest. And if we look at just your leisure leisure travelers, with the Caribbean predominantly being open for business now, and Mexico has remained open for most of the major resorts uh, locations, in the absence of North American travelers, a lot of these facilities have been uh, occupied by South American tourists, a non-traditional tourist base, but they've flocked into these resorts in the absence of North Americans. And when Canadians especially start traveling back to their favorite destinations, whether it's you know, Mexico or somewhere in the Caribbean, or the Southern US, they're gonna discover that the landscape has changed. They're entering something that's going to be new, whether it's the economic downturn or they're gonna be faced with a whole new cultural uh, aspect of tourism. And to quote Roger in his statement last week, you know, our first travelers out, they're going to be pioneers and some of them are going to be, you know, those bold nomads that are going into a whole brave new world. And we're going to have to pay attention to what happens with the first outflow of passengers because they're not going into what's normal anymore. For the corporate traveler, is there anything companies can do to prepare them better? And the same with the uh, business travelers. You got these examples of these very seasoned expat travelers travel all over the world, travel consistently to the same places. And then they're going to also be traveling into these new unknowns. And absolutely, they're going to need a mechanism to be able to measure that because it, to them, I, I would put money that to a lot of these travelers, it's going to be dis, disconcerting. Well, Frank, that seems like a good place to wrap up the discussion. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you everyone for listening. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of Navigate. Thank you for listening to this episode of Navigate, the World Travel Protection Podcast that steers you in the right direction, helping you explore the world safely. For more information on how we protect millions of global travellers each year, visit worldtravelprotection.com or follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect. Finally, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more from my experts, be sure to hit subscribe or follow or please leave us a review. Until next time, keep travelling and stay safe.